else to God. I'm just going to sing some songs of praise and worship. Enter into the word. Brother Michael will be coming to take uh, the service tonight, so we're looking forward to that. Let's just sing that song, uh, When I Come Into His Presence, He's God. Throughout your lives, he's done something special for us. 
that's where we can sing this song and we can just worship him tonight, amen? If you look beyond my fault and saw my need.
sing that song more time. We place you in the highest place. We place you in the highest place. For you are the great high priest. Oh, we place you, Lord. High above
our heads. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, it's a privilege, Lord, to come into your presence, Lord Jesus. And truly, Lord, we want to put you in the highest place, Lord Jesus. So I pray, Lord God, that if any of us at this moment, Lord Jesus, if you're not the highest place, Lord, we want to put our full focus, Lord, on you, Lord, on your word that's about to come forth, Lord Jesus that we just turn our eyes completely to you, Lord Jesus, for you are the most important thing here. You are the most important focus of our lives, oh Jesus. So I pray, Lord God, that we just let everything aside. Let everything aside of our minds, Lord, that you can just clear the pathway, Lord God, so Brother Michael can come, Lord Jesus, and, and preach your word to our hearts, oh God. We want to grow in your word, Lord. We want to grow in your spirit, Lord. We want to get closer to you, Lord Jesus, for the end time is drawing nigh, Lord God, and it is our cry of our hearts, Lord Jesus to get closer to you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for any need, Lord God, that's out in the airways, Lord Jesus, or in this building, Lord God. Of course, there's many, Lord Jesus. We have many needs, Lord, and we desire, Lord God, to get closer to you, Lord Jesus. Take a step further in our Christian walk, Lord God. From the youngest to the oldest, oh God, I pray, Lord God, that we we would be able to, Lord God, to focus now, Lord Jesus, and receive from you that our hearts would be open, Lord God, to what you would have to say, Lord God, to our hearts. I pray that you would anoint the minister, Lord God. Anoint the people, Lord Jesus. Anoint Brother Daniel, Lord, leading in songs, Lord God. That any distraction, Lord God, that might be in our minds from the day, Lord, or, or distractions of this life, Lord, would fall away, Lord. And you would take supreme place, Lord God, as number one in our lives tonight, Lord Jesus. We want to put our first, want to put our best effort, Lord, in tonight, Lord God. It's not just the regular Wednesday night, but it's an opportunity, as Brother Daniel said, to receive something from, our, from, from your Heavenly Father, Lord God. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come, Lord God, in divine power, Lord Jesus, that you would touch someone tonight, that you would speak to a heart, that you would, that you would heal someone tonight, that you, would, that you would achieve a victory in someone's life tonight, oh God. We are pulling, Lord God, for that, if not for ourselves, Lord, for our neighbor, for our brother, for our sister, oh God. So I pray, Lord God, that you would come, Lord Jesus, and we just dedicate this service, Lord, in your name we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. song. We exalt these, but Ethan comes to get ready for a special. We exalt thee. We exalt thee. We exalt thee.
place on my heart to share with you all. Um, just been dealing with me a lot on just speaking the right thing, regardless of what it looks like, and just uh, giving him praise for victories that you haven't even won yet. Just giving him thanks, regardless of you know the mountain that you're about to face, regardless of like the enemy coming in your face and telling you that nothing's gonna work out. Um, and just giving him thanks regardless. So, just pray it's a blessing to you. a grateful heart give thanks to the Holy One give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son give thanks with a grateful heart Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I and rich because of what the Lord has done for us and now let the weak say I am strong let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. Everybody say, Give thanks with a grateful heart to the Holy One. Jesus Christ, give thanks with a grateful heart. To the Holy One, give thanks. Because He's given Jesus Christ.
our hope is in you, not in some man-made religion, some aspect of this world, but our hope is in you, Lord. You offer healing. You offer forgiveness. And Lord, I'm surely there's somebody in this meeting tonight that needs healing. Somebody that needs forgiveness tonight. Lord, would their heart be so opened. Lord, and they would realize, and even in this moment, your tender mercies are new every morning. They've not spurned your day of grace, for they're here in your presence tonight. And you're ready and willing with open arms, Lord, to receive. So, Lord, may tonight, Lord, be an opportunity that your presence could, Lord, move, deal, loose the bound tonight commit this evening to you, Lord, your word would go forth and would it, Lord, tonight, so speak to our hearts. Take your servant, Lord, and your hearers. Would your word, Lord, be, would it be pleasing tonight? In Jesus Christ's name. Bibles tonight. Nice to be back home. Just everybody on the weekend. I'm sure Brother Tom will say some things on Sunday, but we do greet you from Dallas. Oh, just a wonderful group of believers there. I could say with Brother Murphy, we had the best of times. <laughs> Many bests on this trip. It was just a wonderful time together. Won't it be wonderful there? Amen. Amen. Matthew 13 tonight, verse 10. A little uncertain what the Lord desires tonight, so we're just going to maybe just go a little slow. Away. Matthew 10, verse 13 verse 10, and the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not, for him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore I speak, speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and by seeing ye shall see, and she and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, it should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. What a moment that would have been as the disciples sat there. Indeed, through all of time, how many would have yearned to be in their position as Jesus spoke to them. He said, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Amen. Let's pray one more time. Lord, may we hear tonight. 
what the Spirit says to the church, Lord. That our ears, Lord, would each be opened and our eyes, Lord, not of this natural realm, but our eyes of understanding the suit, to see the supernatural in our midst tonight. We pray, take your word now. We commit it to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. usually one who likes to have a title at the very beginning of preparations, and I couldn't find a title until the uh, very last moment, and the brothers called me for one, and uh, just uh, thought maybe I'll just give that to you at the beginning, unlock the door. And the scripture we read this, this evening speaks about seeing and not having eyes to see, hear ears, and not hearing something, and they'd be, I could say maybe they'd be blocked or at a doorway and could not go through, and they were held back by something, by a deafness, spiritual deafness, a spiritual blindness. But Jesus said unto them, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And they were able to, to hear things and penetrate into realms that, that others could not. And so, the Scripture also in Romans 10, which would be a very familiar Scripture, said, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so by hearing, our faith would come. Hearing that word, our faith would come. And it would. And if I could just plot a little thought, it would unlock a door to go through and receive what God has for you. But what a frustration it would be to try and understand something and really just press at that doorway, but not be able to get through. You know, maybe in a course, I'm sure somebody's taken a course in school. Some maybe it's English. Some maybe it's math. Maybe it's a science of such. And you had to take it, even though maybe you didn't want to. And you're just struggling to reach through those concepts. And it's just like you hit this barrier every single time. Anybody been through a course like that? Like, I hate this course. You know why? The only reason why you hate it is because you don't get it. That's really how it is, right? If you got it, you'd love it. If you got the math, you'd be passionate about it. If you got the physics, you'd be passionate, but you're struggling to get past a barrier because you can't see it. That's really the bottom line of it is. So, you know, you could go to school and say, teacher, I just don't see it. (laughs) Can I get a bailout? No. They're going to try and help you to see the path forward so you can break through the barrier. Right? So man is trying to continue. It really continues to try and probe through certain barriers and unlock uh, different aspects of life. And Brother Branham says that, you know, we take like the key of knowledge. He says a man has to, if he's trying to accumulate knowledge, to see that there's a key to that. There's a way that this man has to open up. He has to be, he goes, he gets in his books and his learning. But he says no one can learn him. <laughs> I love the prophet's language. No one can learn him. No one, no one can force him to try and get it. No, the teacher can try and come around at different angles, but he actually or she actually can't force you to get it. Something has to trigger, and the light bulb goes on, and you're like, wow, I got it. Quadratic equations are amazing <laughs> to those that get them. But you can't force that aspect. They might teach, but he has to learn. And the only way that can be done, Brother Bram says, he has to catch the key. That's something in there that unfolds or reveals to him the knowledge that he's seeking. So that comes from a, some, other, some other place, somewhere locked up. Something can break through and reveals to that student, per se, in this in example, what he's trying to seek. And so you can try to learn, you can try to understand, and many just sit at that door of knowledge, maybe in, in, the, in some sort of topic, and they sit there and they can never get through. And that's very frustrating. 
You know, not everybody that goes to school to become a doctor becomes a doctor or a lawyer or whichever, a trades, tradesman of such. They, they might attempt it, but they just might not have what it takes. And so they, st- they get stuck and they have to deviate because that's not the doorway that they're able to get through. And Scripture even says, for this sort, they which creep into houses lead captive silly women laden with sins led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you look at that scripture, the knowledge is a, you go into Greek, I'm sure people have preached on it over, the, over many years, epigenosco, which is, a, which is a synonymous with faith, and ever learning is, 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 a, is just a, an, an intellectual, and they're trying to, to try and prod, and Brother Branham says in another quote, progging at, but never coming to the real knowledge or the revelation of the truth. And so they're ever trying to learn, and they're probe at it to try and gain access and some trying to gain their access, so they, they, they probed, man has probed, my goodness, Leonardo was, da Vinci was probing at the 1500s at flight. And he was, he was poking at it, he was trying to figure it out. He was trying to unlock the doorway to flight in the 1500s, but he didn't get there. He didn't, just, it, it didn't open, the key wasn't in his hand to get through the doorway. And then a little bit later in the 1903, the Wright brothers did. You know, it took 400 or so years to, to finally get there, and the man probed and probed to, to unlock that ability to get into the air. You know, the doctor, you know over, the, over the years, medical science, well, that's quite been quite the probe. Uh, as, you know, you look at the different, men, different methods they use in time. My goodness, I'm so glad I live nowadays. <laughs> you know, you had a problem back in the old days, you know, way back, they'd, well, it's going to let some blood out of you, and, uh, you know, so we got a bloodlet, and... You know, because they felt there were some sort of, you know, basic substances of the body, and so they had to let, you know, certain things out to bring back to balance. And so there you got, you know, some vein cut open and, and released a whole bunch of fluid because that was the thought, that was, that was what they thought was the, the method, you know. So they were trying to unlock the mystery of the body, but it was locked up to them. They hadn't, it, 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 and, and in such doing, it was uh, hurting and killing a lot of people. You know, they thought that mercury was the, was the best method to... Uh, you know, some noxious brew containing poisonous mercury was what you needed to drink, even sulfur and arsenic. And so you'd gain eternal life somehow by, you know, to be, and even walk on water by drinking mercury. They were probing far off the mark and not able to gain access to the doorway of, of, of some of the, even the medical aspects. And man is even probed into the, into the mysteries of, of space and trying to even find the source, you know, of the universe and where it all began. It's because they're trying to probe. They're trying to find a way. They're trying to unlock the door to some mystery that they hold. I don't know. Some people aren't necessarily maybe totally musical. And Brother Branham says there are people who would like to try and play the piano. And they, you know, and they don't know just how to do it. And they could. They could go there, and the teacher might take a lesson after lesson, and they would never learn it. They just, hold, they just can't hold the key to that mystery, he says, how rhythm and sounds of the tuning and so forth rings out. I've, I had personal experience with that as a kid. I, I came to a piano. I, so I'm told. I don't remember this. I'm just told that this is what happened. And I figured all I needed to do was sit there at the piano, place my hands there. I had my little case. I had my castanet clicker. I had the board magnet thing. I mean, I had all the tools. And somehow, sitting at the piano at whatever age I was, I'm pretty sure I was about six or seven, that just by sitting there, all of that, that would be all I needed to unlock the door. And music would flow forth from my being. That wasn't the case. It took a whole lot more than that. And some people try to do a whole lot more than that, they still can't unlock the door to music. He said, well, you're wasting time. It's just not their thing. 
You know, but there is some people that can't unlock the door. There's a gentleman by the, I can't even remember his name. He's able to quote pi, anybody 3, no, 3.14, whatever, to 22,000 digits. He's unlocked a doorway. Something in his brain, they call it a savant, but somewhere in the mind, a doorway was unlocked that he could go far beyond even the normal aspects of what we'd say the human being. Or I'd say Thomas Edison unlocked a doorway to attain the light bulb, which we're all enjoying today. Or Graham Bell unlocked a doorway to get the telephone and was able to to transmit voice over a wire because they knew there was something somewhere. They were so driven to say, if there was a problem, there's got to be an answer to the problem. And so they were poking, they were prodding until they could find something that could unlock the doorway. Brother Brown says, science, he said, if there was such an evil, speaking of polio, surely there's something to counteract it. He said, and they fought, they stood in the streets, boots, those firemen put hats out, begged, they bummed, they'd done everything, trying to find the key to unlock the door to liberty. They were under what we would have considered maybe a pandemic like we had COVID. But in finally one Christian gentleman by the name of Salk found the vaccine. He said, why? There was an evil at stake. There was a killer and there was a key somewhere that could unlock freedom again for man. And the Salk vaccine, he said, was great treatment. He said, oh, he said, because it was, he said, it was brought forth and is stamping out polio because it was never a thing to give up. The key laid there somewhere. There was something that would inoculate it, and they were determined to find it. Further down, he says, oh, how much more is there a key to salvation? For a man that's in a prison house of sin, there's a key to that door to liberate men from it. I I would pray tonight that we'd have as much determination to find the key to that doorway, to unlock the door tonight with whatever need you had. There's those that were driven to find a vaccine for a polio or driven to get get some device so they could speak from here to, to Tokyo. But I'd say we should be more driven to find the key to unlock the door to your healing tonight or your to salvation tonight or to unlock the bondage off of you tonight. Find the key. There is a door. Man is probed, trying to advance. But the greatest door, said the greatest entrance, the greatest breakthrough is Christ. Amen. Jesus said, I am verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. And by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Amen. Amen. He's the door. Now, you know, usually things of high value are what are locked behind doors, and we put big locks on it. You know, simple Kleenex boxes or something aren't put behind doors, and you don't protect them in that way. But, uh, you know, something that is high, high value gets, gets locked or put away. Unless you're at camp and you do a camp activity with us, and then you're using locks and boxes for lots of different things. That's for the young people. It's frustrating to not get access. Any young people get frustrated for years, over, the, over the years as you had a lock in a box and you're trying to find the code and you're like, who makes up these things? Yeah, so you want access. No one likes to be on a computer or on a website and it's like access denied. Ever been there, Brother Darren? Access denied. It's like the worst thing to see. I know this is the password. I, I know my password. And you can't get through. Like, I didn't change my password. No, you did change your password. You put in every password you know. Maybe it's the same one. And so, therefore, <laughs> you only have one password. And it's still wrong. And it's, it's frustrating. I know some people get really frustrated with that. <laughs> yeah. 
They want to get behind whatever they're trying to access to. Brother Brown says, Jesus is the door to all things, and faith is the key that unlocks the door. If Jesus is the door to all these promises, faith in his finished work unlocks every door to every treasure there is inside the kingdom of God. Faith is the key. Faith is the key. He says, but if you haven't got that key, you're just progging. You'll never unlock it. You'll beat against it. And I wonder how many today are just probing at the door because they don't actually really hold the key of faith. You know, anybody been at, the, at a key and the, the key is not quite, they put a key in the door and it's just not quite right. And so then you just start to well, get this key in the door. You try to jump it, bump it, do whatever you got to do. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. You're trying to, trying to make it work. You're trying to force the door open. Well, I'm sorry, but God can't be forced open by just your man-made or some idea of what you think. There has to be a specific key to get through the door. He doesn't, he's not, and God isn't a door with 3,000 locks on him. Well, I'm going to put my Baptist key, and that's going to gain me entrance. Or I'm going to put my Catholic key, and that's going to gain me entrance. There ain't no key. There's only one key. It's the key of faith. And it's faith by his word. Not some other buddy's concept of his word. Well, you know, I'll just put, put my own key in, or I'll custom engrave it. Yeah, no, you're going to custom forge your key. It ain't going to work. It's not going to fit in the lock. It's not going to turn all the little tumblers. You might get it just a little, little crink. But if you put a key in a lock, there's a whole set of tumblers that it has to line up perfectly so that it can click, 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 and work its way through for that lock to open, right? Someone can profess to hold the key. And they can do all the actions, and they can even go through all life. They can pay their tithes. They can do different things. They can come to church. They can go to a message church. But if they, the door actually, if they maybe get frustrated because the life is not manifesting the way that it should. It's because you don't actually hold the right key. And a correct key, Brother Brown says, has levers on the lock, on the inside. And it takes a certain form, a certain shape of them keys to turn the levers. And just one little lever out of the way will mess the whole thing up, he says. Therefore, I believe in the full gospel. Every word of God that turns the power of God loose, that turns his blessings to the people, it's the key to the door that unlocks it. Amen. He says there's heroes in the Bible. He said that's the reason they could stop the mouth of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, and bring the dead back to life. To do all those things because they had the key and they knowed it worked because it was a scripture born key. Amen. A scripture born key is the only thing that's going to open the door. And that's why in this day, a word had to come forth because it has to be an exact scripture perfectly laid out, not some cobbled up something. And maybe we'll go into it a little bit as we go along that got diluted or, or, or diluted through time. And the key got some little bits of different engraving on it. Won't open the door. He says, how pitiful that the church ever sold out to dogmas instead of the word. That's where they've left the key. He said, that's the reason great miracles, signs are not done. They've lost the key. They know the door. They know the door's there. And the next thing is the key to open and the treasure's behind the door. Can you imagine, spiritually speaking, knowing the door's there and not having the key to get in? That'd be a terrible place to be at. And thinking you have the key thinking that you have everything you needed to walk up to the doorway and say, I'm just going to get entrance now. I'm in desperate need. I need, to get through, I need to get to Christ, and I need to get access to all the promises that are behind him, that are in him, I should say. And they put their key in, and it doesn't work. 
That's why this message came. To bring us back to a faith of the fathers so that we would have the right key to access the door and be able to access the promises that are inside the door. Amen. That's the whole point. It's useless. Though Brother Brown says if it's held in, if, it, if there's a key sitting here and the door that it needs to get through and no one picks up the key, what's the point? What's the point? There's a door. It has glorious treasures behind it. There's, there's hundreds of millions of dollars behind the door. And here's the key to the door. And you can look at that and you can talk about it. It'd be amazing. Oh, I can't even imagine what it could be like to have all of that access to those resources and never pick up the key and never go and open the door. You'd say, that's crazy. Well, what about those that don't pick up the key of faith? that talk about it, hear about it, sit in church about it. They maybe even read about it, but they don't actually ever pick it up and access it. I'd be ashamed. We don't want to leave the key here. We want to access what God has for us tonight. That's why Satan works so hard to make you doubt, so that you can leave the key to leave that faith unused, unaccessed and and no, no, you, no, and nothing, you know, no benefit to the believer. But when God reveals himself to you, that inspiration, I would want to just uh, try and take it just page by page here a little bit. As I don't even, I'm just trying to wrestle where even the Lord wants to go and, and, and what he's wanting to convey. But uh, sometimes I just feel, I, I might even just go completely off no, but I just feel sometimes we don't attain really what God is desiring us in our faith. And we just kind of, we, we, I believe, and a lot of times, unfortunately, it does sit in our intellectual aspect of an intellectual faith. But and then we get all, I think, worried and concerned about really, well, I just don't have the well, I need perfect faith. We can read perfect faith. And, and you get kind of uh, all anxious about not really having, well, I don't have my healing. I'm not, I'm not getting what, what God is, is my faith wrong? And, and I just feel we, the devil can just camp out on you there. And really then it just weakens us. And But if I could go back to everybody here that would, who's saved tonight? All right. Because God spoke to you then. God, 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 you came to a, a place in life, whether it was a church service, a camp meeting, in your room somewhere, whatever it was, I don't know. You read the Bible, the message came across your way, someone witnessed to you, and something struck you. Something ignited inside of you. You said, oh my, God came to save me. I'm a sinner, I'm a wretch, but there's a Savior, a Redeemer that came to save me. You believed that. You, something just sparked in you. Could you explain it? No, you couldn't. Why did it spark? I don't know, but something ignited in me that I believe what he's saying. I believe that word. It's a faith that just sparked. sparked. Yeah. It's faith. Explain it. But something happened. Did you conjure it up? Did you intellectually try to get it? I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. No, it just happened. It just happened. So stop trying to just, oh, I'm going to get my healing, I'm going to get my healing, I'm going to get my healing. Just wait in his presence. It will happen at the moment he desires. Just keep yourself in the word. Do what you need to do. Pray. But the worrying and the fussing and the wondering, oh God, and crying out, oh, how come, how come? Just wait. Because when it sparks, it's over. When something strikes, it says, by his stripes, I am healed. It's the finished work. 
Don't try to try and explain faith. It will just strike you. God's, God's inspiration will drop into your heart. I think we overcomplicate it. And we have to try and explain. You know, I said this, I've said to a couple of people, I can't explain God. And if I could explain God, He wouldn't be God. If my puny brain could explain the King of glory, He ain't the King of glory. I expect Him to be uncomprehensible. I expect it to be so out of my mind because He's God. And we try to render Him down. Well, I need to figure out all of this, how this works. You know, I just can't believe without faith. You can't even please him. So if you don't want to and can't get to the grounds of just straight, I believe. I don't understand it. I don't even know how it, what, what, how it works, but I just believe it. If you can't get there, you will never please him. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You need to believe that he is God. Can you see him? <laughs> as far as these tangible eyeballs? No. You've got to believe he's God. That's faith. If you don't have that, you won't even please him. I got on a plane yesterday. I didn't even think about it, whether it was going to take off or not. I didn't wonder and stress, is this plane going to take off? No, I didn't. I, I went through security. I didn't ask every person along the way, well, is it going to work? Are you sure that that plane's going to get off the ground? Can you get me off the 737 MAX? It has some history. I need to get on another plane. I didn't do that. I didn't run to the gate, and I didn't try and get to the mechanics and say, did you make sure you repaired this thing? Is it, is it ready to go? I don't really have a lot of faith in you right now. I didn't get in the doorway and bang on the pilot's door and say, how many hundred hours do you have flying? Because I ain't walking on this plane unless you have 1,000 hours at minimum, maybe 10,000 hours. No, that's not how it happened. You know what? I just walked onto the plane. I just went through security. I did everything. I just, you know, got my preparations, got myself in my seat, buckled up my little seatbelt, made sure my tray table was up, you know, out there, and I sat back and knew the plane was taking off. That's what I did. I had faith in the plane. I didn't even ponder it. Didn't even think about it. It was just going to happen. I had faith in man. Think about it. I had faith in man's concepts and, and intelligence and ability to get that big honking piece of metal off the ground. So that's insane. Yeah, I don't understand it actually. I'm not an aviator. I don't have wings on my, on my coat that says I know all the things about aerodynamics. I know Zippo. All I know is I got on a plane and it got me here from Houston and Dallas. Thank the Lord. Thank the men that put it together. I got here. Why then do we have such a hard time having faith in God? If I can put myself in subjection to man's intelligence, surely I can put myself in subjection to God's intelligence. Jesus answering and said unto them, have faith in God. Period. God's design, God's abilities. My, verily I say unto you that whatsoever shall say to this mountain, 
Be thou removed, thou shalt cast it into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Should we believe that any bit less than the stewardess saying, we're getting ready to take off, and you're going to be in the air at 30,000 feet, and I just believe it and accept it, and God is actually telling us, whatsoever things ye desire when ye pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Verse 22, have faith in God. Couldn't we just buckle up in the seat and say, let just, in the plane of faith, and I'm ready for the ride. And just believe that he's going to take care of it. Can we not just have that, that aspect, that ability to say, Lord, you've done it before, you'll do it again. I've seen you time and time again. Heal your people, deliver your people, save your people. In fact, I don't even need to worry about all of them. You saved me. And the same faith that, you, that I had for saving me for salvation is the same faith that you, I have for healing me. Maybe we just need to go back to that time or that moment where you, of what struck you, that same faith. It's the same faith that can grab healing from behind the doorway. Amen. You know, in critical times, sometimes there's like a moment where everything hinges on. It's like a key moment. Let's kind of go down a bit of different vein. Hopefully, pray tonight doesn't feel like a shotgun message with a lot of buckshot going every which direction. But it, it could, there's different moments in our life where faith is the key. That's going to get us what we're needing in that moment. And I wonder, I'll just go through a couple. Did a half an hour just go like that? <laughs> All right. I told my mind, I said, there's no way I'm going to be long tonight. But um, I'll go very fast now. Critical junctures. And you can go through a situation and you can say, you can point yourself to a certain aspect and say that was the key to that outcome. If that didn't happen, this wouldn't have happened. And there's a certain element, a certain aspect that's the key aspect to the whole thing coming to a perfect end or to whichever end it is. And I wonder how many times Brother Branham said, as different ones have gone in different services, and Brother Branham would cry out, don't miss it. Don't miss it. And they were, they were at a key moment, a critical element of their life, and they couldn't reach out in faith and grab a hold of what was happening in the moment. And that moment, they missed the moment. The, 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 the key moment was bypassed, I could say. And, and, and it, everything that hinged on it. And I thought of Sister Hattie Wright. As she was sitting there in, in, the, in the little corner, and I won't go into too, too much detail, but she was sitting, and Brother Branham, we know the story very well, as he was going through the, the, the account of the squirrels and, and the spoken word, and he was just pondering, and she was sitting off to the side even a little bit in one account, and, and she was sitting there listening. And here, you, we would look at it in hindsight and see this is a critical moment in her, in her life. This, this, was, this was Hattie Wright's moment, but she didn't know that. 
She didn't know what was coming. She was just sitting listening at the side maybe and at the table where, some, where the brothers and brother Bradham were different ones and he was talking about the, the, the instance and he was talking about how they were, how just like Abraham, God provided a ram and there a ram was provided in his time of need and he was speaking through the account. He says, I believe it was just the same as that was, that he's Jehovah Jireh. And Sister Hattie, unbeknownst to her, this is a critical moment where she is now sitting right here, right now. And she's sitting there, and Brother Branham states this, and here at this exact same moment, she's sitting listening to it and not saying much. She's just listening. Maybe her head is bowed, and her boys are over there, and they're mocking and jeering and scoffing, and they're upsetting the atmosphere and not upsetting. Brother Branham was just going on. It wasn't even, he wasn't even say, worrying about it, but that's what was going on at that moment was some mocking boys, Sister Hattie here, and at a table, there are other different ones that are talking about the, the situation. And she's sitting there, and in this moment, the key moment, she reaches out with faith, and she says, Brother Branham, that is nothing but the truth. Think about it. That wasn't anything spectacular in, 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 the, in demonstration. It wasn't like she jumped up and shouted and screamed and hollered. That's nothing but the truth. She just said quietly, because faith in a different realm yeah. reached out and said, that is the truth. And she spoke that. And in that moment, something changed. Why? Because the key, faith, the key, opened a doorway for her to go through it and obtain a promise. Something dropped down for that little sister. A perfect faith in what the prophet was saying. What did she conjure it up? Was she sitting there? Well, I don't know. I wonder about this. If this and that happened, could it really be this? Uh, you know, I don't know. Oh, believe it, Hattie. Believe it, Hattie. Come on, Hattie. You got to believe what he's saying. No, no. Something sparked. Amen. Something just ignited within her that she said, "I don't understand it all," because I'm sure she didn't. But she just said, "I believe it." There's not. That's nothing but the truth. And it's in that moment. When the key goes into the lock and every little tumbler click, 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 boom, open the door. And what came out was a prophet saying, whatever you desire is yours. What was critical was the right word at the right moment. But it was faith that triggered the response. She said, what shall I ask? I said, it's up to you. You make your decision. I cannot. And she looked around at the boys. And we know the story. She's, she says, Brother Brandon, the greatest desire in my heart is the salvation of my two boys. I, see, I said, I give you your boys in the name of Jesus Christ. And them snickering and laughing over here, making fun, fell across their mother's lap, surrendered their life to God, and was filled with the Holy Ghost right there. What a moment. What a power. When faith unlocks the door because something strikes and a response to the word takes place and she caught inspiration for the moment and it released eternity to her boys I thought oh God in a service if God is speaking what could we do what could happen if something struck your soul and you did something maybe Hattie that was just quiet it could be quietly in your heart saying Lord I believe I believe this is my need. It's nothing but the truth. I take you at your word. It's not a conjured up thing, but you just, something strikes you. How do you know but your response to him and his word releases to you eternity, releases to you healing, releases to your son or daughter deliverance. That's what the word is here to do. Not just here to 
to shout about and preach about. It's here to release something to you. It's here to release the supernatural. We serve a supernatural God. I don't come to church to see natural. No, sir. I come to church to see the supernatural at work. That's why the prayer meetings, brothers, at different times, the testimony is so important because it's vindication that God is moving amongst his people. Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed. I can tell you, that was not how it was stated. She ran up to Jesus in the crowd, and it was loud, and she was yelling, Oh, son of David, have mercy! Oh, it wasn't quiet. What do you need tonight? Maybe the response needs to be a little bit out of your ordinary. I have a grievously vexed with a daughter with a devil, and he answered her not a word. Oh, my. Not even a word. Not even an eye glanced to her. And the disciples came and besought him and said, Send her away, for she crieth after us. And he answered to them, not even to her, I'm not sent unto the lost sheep, but the house of Israel. But unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here was her moment, desperate moment. Grievously vexed, I put in capital letters. That's some pretty heavy language. Grievously vexed with the devil. She had an urgent need of God. Not a small issue, not a headache, not something. A daughter vexed with the devil. That was a terrible moment. And I wonder how many key moments, though, have the desired outcome because maybe a hand won't really grab out there. And even thinking of Sister Hattie, he's like, what if Sister Hattie had not actually stepped out and said something like that? I mean, that was probably out of character for her just to, to, to interrupt like that. But I said, how many key moments maybe have been missed because somebody hasn't been willing to just reach out, maybe to call out and say, oh God, I have a need, grievously vexing need tonight. I thought, oh God, maybe the key of faith could drop into someone's hand tonight. And they could say, no, I'm not leaving it there on the shelf. I'm not leaving that door open. I'm going to walk through. I'm going to take a hold of the key. My strong arm of faith is going to use it. And I'm going to turn that lock tonight. I can tell you that's what the Syrophoenician woman was doing. And she stood there and listened to nothing, not even a word to her. Oh, you know, the preacher's preaching at me now again. He's preaching too hard. I can't even take that. Maybe could have been her response. He doesn't really understand my situation. Does he really know that my daughter is grievously vexed? Does God even really care that I have such an issue in my household and he doesn't even listen to me? He doesn't even turn an eye to me? Forget this gospel. That could have been her response. No. But she came and worshipped him. Saying, Lord... Help me. And he still answered and said, It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And many have come have spoke about this, this story, and we know this account very well. But what I'm wanting to just, just maybe speak about or, or, or bring an attention to is that, is that she was willing 
something in this moment, this key critical moment, she was willing to reach out in faith regardless of any other aspect of the situation. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your, what your, what your cry is and such and, and the difficulties that you tried to get through. And you could be, she, could, she could have been blaming God and stopped right there and said, well, he didn't even answer me a word. He didn't even say nothing. Forget, I'm not going to pray anymore about it because he doesn't even answer me. But that wasn't her response. Is She worshipped. She said, Lord, I'm here to worship you. I don't know how long that went on, but she was glorifying him. He wasn't even really even paying attention, but there she was worshiping. There she was giving him glory, saying, Lord, help me. Help me. Maybe that's all it takes tonight. Just, Lord, help me. Help me. I'm struggling. Maybe someone's doubting. I don't even know if I can. I don't even know if this message is true. I, I'm just got bogged from so many different aspects and doubts and this and friends from outside and I can't cut them off and I, I don't even know. You haven't even heard me and I go through these struggles at home and such. But oh, maybe tonight it's just Lord, help me. And he said to dogs, cast. It's not meat to take the children's bread. And she said, truth, truth. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs. She just needed a little bit. She just needed a little bit from the master. And he said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. I was just looking. I was reading the scripture. Jesus didn't pray with her. He didn't. He actually didn't say. All he said was, great is your faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. That's it. That's all that he even did to her. It wasn't a big prayer line. It wasn't a big shouting session. It was nothing. It was she was the one that had been doing all the action. He was doing nothing. He just said, Great is your faith. Could it be even in a service tonight that God could strike something in your soul and God could speak to you and say, Great is your faith. Be it unto you as you will. And in that moment, in that moment, the scripture says at the very hour her daughter was made whole. Because Christ, the word, had told her her faith was great. If I could be so bold tonight and say, little bride, we've been given a message. And great is your faith. Great is your faith. Because we've been given the faith of the Father open up to us in this day by a messenger. Hallelujah. So that you could speak back to him and say and worship him and say, oh God, just a crumb tonight. And he could speak back to you and say, great is your faith. Be it unto you according as you will. What a response of faith that unlocked an outcome for her little home. You know, Brother Brown speaks about Moses. I was going back to the scripture and reading it. And he said, stand still. Moses did. said, stand still and see the salvation of God for the Egyptians you're looking at today. You'll never see them again. Quoting Brother Branham. How did he know what was going to happen? So I went back in scripture. I was like, well, what is the order of events there? And indeed, Moses did say that. I wasn't doubting. I just wanted to read it exactly. And so he, Moses went out there and said, watch You'll see the salvation of God. But he said immediately, as immediately after he spoke it, God told him how to do it. 
Moses, don't cry to me. Take your staff and stretch it out. But Abraham said, that inspiration, that's the way it strikes you when you're sick. That's the way it strikes you when you're afflicted. Something's revealed to you. And you see that it's been revealed. And you speak up. I'm healed. (laughs) Moses said, stand and watch today. The salvation of God is going to save all of you. And then God came back and backed him up. Because something struck him. Knowing that God was going to back him up. He said, then God tells you what to do. Rise and start walking. Then it's all over when you can do it that way. That's the way God does it. Then you see God manifested through yourself. Isn't that beautiful? I wonder how many services. The word is the same today as it was back in the Syrophoenician woman's day. Jesus indeed has turned to the Gentiles. And this is our time. And it's not a crumb. We've been given a feast. We've been given a feast. And I would pray tonight that inspiration could strike. Or instead of wondering and worrying, just resting. And when that moment comes and the word strikes your soul, that you would respond in the critical moment could be in church, could be in your car, could be at work, could be in your bedroom. I don't know. God deals in mysterious ways, and he works everywhere. He doesn't have to be exactly in a church service. But when he speaks, I say move. Action on the moment, whether it's that's nothing but the truth, or God give me a crumb, whatever it would be, move in the critical moment. Grab the cold of the key of faith. Say I'm locking that door right now. There was Joshua. Think about it, what moment he was in. He was there waiting. He was battling it out. You could be very well battling it out right now. Joshua was fighting hard. He needed some time, and he screamed out for the sun to stand still. That wasn't what he didn't ponder there and be like, well, uh, just wait. Don't kill me. Hold your swords. i got to get down and pray right here because uh, I need so, I needed some action, I need something major to happen, and so I need to just, just hold it. I gotta pray. Don't kill me. That's not how it worked. He was in battle. He was fiercely fighting the enemy. You might be fiercely, and you should be fiercely fighting the enemy, because he's on our backs day and night. But in the moment of battle, you're saying, Lord, I need some strength right now. I need some time. I got a devil ahead of me, and I'm going after him, but I need strength. I need daylight. I need the word to come across my path. Enlighten me with your word so that I may attain the goal. Son, stand still. Joshua just spoke it out of inspiration. He didn't ponder and wait. Son, stand there. Moon, stand there. You know what it did? God went into action behind him. Just stand right there. Just stay right there. My son needs some time. Move on inspiration. When faith strikes your soul, don't know. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I shouldn't go and speak to that brother or sister. You know, they would really think me, really odd of me if I said, hey, you should go for coffee. I just feel like you're struggling a little bit. You know, do you want to just talk? Let's have a coffee. Maybe I can encourage you. I'm just praying for you. No, no, I shouldn't do that. God dropped something in your heart. Move under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's no less different than the sun standing there and the moon standing there and God saying, all right, my son or my daughter is on the move. I need to give him some room. Hold yourself back, devil. 
They're going through in some action. How about that, Brother Ray? You know, knowing your position is so vital. Considering the time, this is where I'm going to probably end. Satan was quite a robber. He's a thief, destroyer. Tried to go into that Garden of Eden. And if I could kind of just go with me and some thought. Tried to go in there and tried to steal the life. There tried to go in the garden. There was God's son and daughter, Adam and Eve. And this perverter, the devil, the old slicker, was trying to go in there and, and rob and to, to, to take. He, he desired. He can't create. He can't do anything. God, God retains that aspect himself. And here the, the old devil was trying to get access into that garden so that he could, he could, he could grab a hold of and take the life force that was, was, was there. But it was, it was an access denied. I could put it that way, or, or as, as he, he perverted. But God, the secret of life is in God. The devil couldn't put his fingers on that aspect, and God retained that, that, that under lock and key, if I could say, that the secret or the power of the blood sat there in, in, in God's bosom. And Satan, though perverting that, that bloodline and trying to contaminate, God had to, needed to release a life source that could cleanse the perversion that Satan put his little fingers on. But that aspect was a time-locked aspect. It wouldn't transpire, or the key wouldn't happen, or it couldn't unlock it until a specific time. Okay? So it was time, God time-locked that. And God's promises, there's, there's certain tumblers that needed to happen for that lock to, 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 to open up. And Brother Branham said he had faith in his power. And here, speaking of Jesus, as he would, as he would uh, the prophecies would go forth and the, the, the scripture and the prophets would utter, these were, these were prophecies that were, that were uh, co- um, creating the mechanism of the lock that the key was going to have to enter to unlock the power of God's blood. And Brother Brown said he had faith, Jesus, in his power. How did he? He said, I can do nothing in myself. Why? He relied upon what he was. He relied in knowing that he was the word. And he had faith in, in God who made him the word. He, God was the word, he said. And that was in him that gave him faith because he understood his position. He knowed what he was because the scripture had said he was this. And every scripture tied in to prove that he was exactly what the scripture said he would be. And he knew what he was. This is vital as we just go through this little part. Because he was, he, God knew exactly who he was. Christ knew that he, the scripture spoke of him. Prophecy spoke of him. And he knew exactly what his position was and what he had to fulfill. Okay? He was, a, and the, the fires of prophecy, if I could put it that way, began to craft a special designed key because there was a specific lock that only a specific key could go into and turn the tumblers on. And so all through time, God was then starting to fire through fires of prophecy, create a key that was going to bring a redeemer, that was going to bring a savior, that was going to bring one that could be a healer and a deliverer. And all through time, the fires of God crafted this key and out came a baby. And man, it was like, oh, how could this be? But it was God's design 
that he needed to put the key into a specific lock. And I can imagine, prophecy by prophecy, the edges and the burrs that were fine-tuning the edge of that key were being crafted, and here this master key was then formed as a virgin shall conceive, and a deliverer was going to come. And Jesus, having the perfect faith in who he was, being formed was now the key to unlock access to life. But Abraham says, now the only thing you can do is have faith in who you are. Have faith in what the Word says you are. Jesus had faith in what the Word says he was. He had a perfect faith, knowing exactly that his life was to, was to be made manifest, was going to be the exact uh, design to fit the key, or I should say to fit the lock. And so he walked in that. He didn't wonder. He didn't fret. He didn't, oh, you know, what if, what if it doesn't work? What if I get to Calvary and it doesn't work? Mm-mm. He walked with perfect faith and confidence in who he was. Brother Branham said, God said, it's written of me. Didn't David in the Psalms and the prophets and all of them speak of him? I am the bread of life that come from God. I am the tree of life from the garden of Eden. I am these things. I am that I am. And he knew with that perfect faith that he was the anointed Messiah. That spirit of God was upon him. He said, now I in myself do nothing, but it's my faith in God. And God was in him and, and the word made manifest. And when the word of God comes in you, It's made manifest for you are a believer. And a believer is the faith of God that moves in you. He wasn't doing anything different than what you need to do. He was believing in what God said he was. His word said he was. So if you believe in what God's word says you are, will you not have the same outcome? But it was his faith in the promises. As each one came to pass, he believed he was the word. And the tumblers of the lock Click. As each prophecy came to pass, each little bit of that tumbler, click, 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 started to open and unlock. And here, the, the humanity being held ransom by, by, the, by this great, great lock and key, I could say. And here, Jesus on the cross wasn't worrying, oh my, if I lay my life down on the cross, will I be able to bring it back again? What if I can't do it? Oh, be lost. Salvation's plan will be cut short. Oh, I don't know if this is going to be work. No, no. He said, therefore, doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man take it from me, but I lay it down of myself and I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my father. This commandment have I received. Have you received a commandment of who you are and what you shall be? Then just walk in that. That's what Christ walked in. And that is what raised him up was the word spoken about him and unlocked the door to salvation. Amen. Oh, that final tumbler. I can imagine on the cross, he was sitting there, hanging there, I should say, after all of those aspects and every little tumbler had clicked, but there was a final click to go before that giant lock, that giant padlock that held you and me in, in their sin's curse. And he cried out, it is finished. And the final click went on that key because the, the fourth key of God opened up the lock for you and I. What a moment that would have been. When the final tumbler let loose and the door of redemption blew open. Glory! What a key! Time locked. An appointed time. He said, therefore, he relied on God. And if he did that, 
then can't we rely upon what God has made us as believers? These signs shall follow them that believe. He had faith in what he was. And if you're a believer, you have faith in what you are. You're a believer. Should it require any more than that? No. That's what raised Christ from the dead. Was just taking his own word. Raised him up from the dead. Unlocked the the doors of redemption. If that's what he did, he did. No different for you or I. No more complicated for you or I. No wondering, oh, am I going to make it? Am I really bride? That's not what he did walking up to the cross. Am I really the Savior? Am I really all that David spoke to me in the Psalms? Are they going to break my bones? I mean, everybody on the cross that's crucified, they break the bones. Maybe they're going to do that and that one scripture will be broken. No, that's not what he did. If he walked in pure confidence in the word of God because he was the word. And so he walked in the word as he was the word. You also are the word of God made manifest in your day. So you also should walk in confidence. No, oh, am I going to make it? Oh, this age is so dark and dismal. You are told you're an overcomer. The scripture says you are. So then you can walk in that. Then that door of rapture will unlock because you are the word made flesh today. Amen. Musicians, why don't you come? Because that will create pressure on me. (laughs) You know, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, oh my, I'm going to find an exit. I'm going to find one. If you look at the, I'll just glance over. If you look at the at how Christ's ministry, Son of Man ministry was, you can see the the the, the pull, the first, second, and even third pull. You can see it was healings, and miracles, and discernments, and then it was the word. You can see that as as a, as a pattern. And here here are the the disciples. Jesus would, you know, discern woman at the well and Nathaniel, and as he would discern their hearts, then he brought the word, eat my flesh, drink my blood, I'm the resurrection, before Abraham was, I am, or I'll raise the temple in three days, or I and my father are one. The word was starting to go forth, and this was, this was the critical hour. And then, it was, and then he went from, you know, I and my father are one to I'll be with you, even in you. Amen. The works that I do, will you do also? You say to this mountain, be removed. Amen. It was now back to you. It wasn't just him. It was also you or part of this. It was the word. It was a perfect faith that was being issued out to the first church. Okay. And so then a Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came down and filled them and was vindicated all as a fulfillment, I should say, of what Christ said. Christ said, I'll be with you even in you into the end of the world. Well, that hadn't manifested yet. But when they had the upper room experience and the Holy Spirit fell, all that Christ had said became manifest and they would believe, now they were, they were able to, to, to be a, a manifest example. It wasn't the signs that their faith was in. They had seen all the signs and the wonders and such, but it was that his word, what he said was coming true. That he had said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you even to the end of the world. Go and tarry until I come and the power you'll be in due to power. The word part, the third pull part of the word that he spoke was now coming to pass and made manifest to them. And that's why they could go with boldness. Because what God had said to them had now come to pass. So now they could walk. They weren't worried. They knew that the Holy Spirit, had, had, they had been filled with the Holy Ghost. And they now knew that they were disciples filled with the faith 
that was not just in signs and wonders, but the word had been endued, they had been endued with the word of God, and now Christ was indeed risen, and they were now going to show and manifest this. Amen? Christ ascended. He said, I'll be with you. And they tarried, etc. And the disciples left with a perfect faith. Because the word that was, made, that was spoken in their day was now made manifest through them. And now they went boldly. That's why Christ, the storehouse, could be opened. And that's why Peter and John could go into the, into the gate beautiful. And they could stand there and say, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. Not just I remember. Such as I remember, Jesus was here. He healed the lame. No. Such as I have. Because God had said, I will be with you even in you. The word, the message of their day was beyond just the signs and the wonders. He said, if you have me, that will come. If you have me in you, the miracles will come. But you need me. And they had received that and they now manifested that. Amen. You follow. That's why the Ethiopian eunuch, he needed Christ. And Philip could go there and he could speak to him all the things. He could go back in scripture because the word was now made manifest in Philip. Amen. But through history, that perfect key started to get filed down. It was missing. The mystery of the Godhead. Man's dogmas went in there and filed her down. You know when you duplicate a key over and over and over again, it starts to not work. And that's what happened. And the key couldn't unlock the mysteries of Scripture. Lost the, what happened in the garden. And Luther had a key. But if I could put it this way, just in your, with your thoughts, it was had a little bit of a, maybe one little bit of edge on it now that it could open one of the tumblers, but not everything. The just shall live by faith. And it caused that, just even that little bit caused a commotion in the world. But for sake of time, if I could jump through all the way time, I'd have to, I could say that's why this message came. Not in the signs and the wonders, if I could put it that way too. There was a first pull to get attention. There was a second pull to get attention. But there was a third pull word. So that the scripture could be fulfilled in this day. That the same perfect key, the same faith of the fathers could be manifest in this day. I will be in you. The same process to craft the key again. The son of man revealed the same way the son of man was revealed in scripture. Was the same process or pathway to reveal who he was in this day. So that we could be compelled tonight. If, for this, I don't have time. But I wanted to say that we could stand. You could stand if you want to. But stand with boldness. As a Peter and John. If they went out after they received a perfect word. Surely if we have received a perfect word. That we could stand with boldness and with faith. And say silver and gold have I none. But such as I have tonight. I give unto you. What's our response? That key opens up the door. That faith. Not in a miracle. Not in a sign. But in the word of our day. I'm flying and skipping like a skipping rock over top of a lot of it. But I'm telling what I said earlier is it's not complicated. It actually just comes down to I believe. I believe. That's what they had to do when they were in the upper room. They didn't say, you know what? I believe this. I'm going to make my way to that upper room. 
There wasn't any more than that. There wasn't begging and pleading and all that kind of thing. They just made their way. They sat there and waited until that moment came. And if you have to sit here and wait till that moment comes, I say do it. Because after that moment, you walk out with the key in your hand and you'll be unlocking every door you need to. I say the key has been given. The key has been given. If I could say it's time to break some barriers. Time to break through. I, the, Brother Bram speaks about the sound bearer. I don't even know what song to sing, Brother Ben. I had some songs in the back, but I'm not even there yet. He, Brother Bram says, he speaks about, he goes, there's aviators that fly through here, these real fast jet planes. And they say about these planes, they go at a certain speed and it vibrates and shakes. Seems like the bolts is about to fly out of it and the wings are going to come off. He says, until they pass through the sound barrier. But after they, once they pass the sound barrier, they say that plane just sails out just in ease. When it passes that barrier, it's an obstacle that's in the way of the plane. He says, all of the church of this day could ever pray till they pass the sin barrier and the unbelief barrier. And they could shout victory of a living God when they pass, once pass that barrier by looking to the unseen and letting the word vibrate and do what it wants to do. I say, oh God, if we could just get past the rattle and the shaking, oh, well, I don't know if this gospel is for me, or I don't know if we're, you know, I don't see really healing any, anymore. I'm just too far gone. I'm a hypocrite. I haven't lived this message. I've come and I've gone. It's just an emotional thing anyway. That's just the vibrations of the sound barrier. But you need a breakthrough. You need to bust through that sound barrier, that, that sin barrier, I should say. Break past it tonight. You've been given a key to get past it. We've been given a word in this day to get past it. Don't be. I wonder if someone would want to be a Peter tonight. Peter was in a raging storm. Everything was hurling around him. The waves were crashing. The thunder was rolling. The boat was rocking. His life was reeling. And Jesus came on the scene. And he seen him out there. And Jesus said, bid Peter come. Come out on the waves. And his faith started to accelerate. Up to a point to where he was able to break through the unbelief barrier. And he stepped out of the water or out of the boat onto the water and his eyes were stayed on Christ. And he started to walk those waves keeping his eyes on Christ. And I know what happened, and what happens is when you guys get off Christ, we know what happened to Peter. But tonight I'm saying, let's be a Peter. Somebody could be a Peter tonight and say, you know what, I need the bidding. I need God to bid me tonight. I say, he's bidding. He's calling. He's beckoning. He's saying, you know what? Maybe you need to step out of the boat tonight. Maybe you need to break through the barrier of unbelief. Maybe you have to break through the barrier of doubt in your mind. Maybe you have to break through the barrier of maybe that's just really, you know, uh, unorthodox for me. I'm going to break through it tonight, and I'm going to walk on the waters of my stormy life right now, and I'm going to attain Christ. I said, walk on water tonight. Brother Bram said, Lord, speaking to Peter, I'll just walk. He goes, I'm going to walk because the word said for me to walk. Oh, 
I say, the word is saying, come walk. Come step out in faith tonight and say, Lord, I'm going to come to you. If I had that opportunity, what if you were in the boat? Let's just put you at Peter's boat. Let's just put you in that moment. And God has said, Peter, come. What would you do? What would you do then? What you do now is what you do then. I'll put it that way. Because Christ is bidding. Come, oh sinner, what's your needless delay? Is what Jesus would be saying. Peter, come. He said, Jesus calling. He said, what would you do? I say, Peter, let's keep our eyes on him. I know it's not an, it wasn't an easy walk for Peter to walk on those waves. But if he kept his eyes on Christ, he was safe. But Abraham says, Brother Ben, you can play a song. At the end of a service and looking on the unseen, he's speaking to the different ones out there. And this is just when I was reading this. I said, Lord, it, it, it just isn't. You're not asking us something so incredibly hard. And the Lord Jesus, through a prophet, said, he said, if you believe, go eat your supper. That also that was in your stomachs left, you go eat and believe. It wasn't an incredible prayer line. It wasn't an incredible moment. It was just, do you believe? Go eat your supper. What is your problem? What's your need? Go eat your supper. Stand up and walk. He says, if you believe, you won't have to die. The cancer's left you. You believe it? Go and rejoice. It wasn't complicated. But they were recognizing God in their midst. They were recognizing that the Lord was still there. And if I, if I have, a, have a quote here, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just jumping around. But I know we can, as message believers, we can think, well, Brother Branham had visions. And he could see, and, and you know, that struck the faith of people. I'm going to read you a quote, and you're going to tuck this one in your script bag. Because he said, now God's speaking in the day through vision. He says, if that vision was contrary to this, speaking of the word, he said that vision would be wrong. This word is more than the vision. If any vision's contrary to the word, leave it alone. He said, if it ain't of God, God can't contradict his own word. So if this word told you something, has this word told you something? There are hundreds and thousands of promises in this word. But Abraham says, if this word has told you something, then you can have the same confidence that's when, then what's going to happen. Not in a vision, in the word. He said, this is more than the vision if the vision's contrary. He said, that then they say, they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Well, brother, if faith, that perfect faith got a hold of that, when you passed over this prayer line, you'd be jumping and shouting till you left there. It's over, it's over, it's over. I'm not a prophet, but I can tell you, the same God that gave the promises of this word you should have the same confidence than if you're standing in a meeting in Brother Branham and he said, do you want to go? Go eat your breakfast, your ulcer is gone. If this word says, you're healed. If it says, I'm your deliverer. If it says, I'm your peace. I'm your shalom. There should be the same amount of confidence that you're in a discernment line. That means we could have a service like Brother Branham's services, like any service that we ever had because the word is the same today as it was any of those days. Jesus had perfect faith. He had it. It come because he was the word. And you become the word. You become the word as you receive the word. 
if ye abide in me and my words in you. Oh, he says, this word abides in you. Then ask what you will, and it shall be done. Ask tonight. You just come to church just to come and hear a song service, just to hear a preacher preach. I'm going to tell you right now, I surely didn't want to preach tonight. I agonized in my office. Oh, God. I couldn't even put some notes together so helter-skelter. But all I care about is, Lord, I just want to come to service and see the supernatural move amongst us tonight. See somebody like a Syrophoenician woman cry out and say, Oh, God, even the crumbs. Give me just a crumb tonight. Maybe a sister Hattie right and says, I don't understand it. But in her heart, in your pew, she says, I believe it. That's nothing but the truth, Lord. And then God releases to you an inspiration. And you could jump, as Brother Brown said in the quote, it's over, it's over, it's over. Amen. Walk on water tonight. Let's sing that song along the wave. Through every stage, they hawk out this. Oh, remember 
why don't we lift up our hands tonight? Let's just put ourselves back. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, maybe I'm a Syrophoenician woman tonight. Maybe I'm a Hattie Wright tonight. Maybe I'm a Peter tonight. And you've bid me to come out in the way. And I'm going to step out in boldness with my faith because I'm taking faith in my hand, the key of faith to unlock the door. Oh, God. Lord, tonight, Lord Jesus, is nothing different than any other night, Lord, when your prophet was here and your word would go forth. Lord, he was screaming out, Lord, preaching the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, you did not stop healing. You did not stop delivering. You did not stop, Lord, breaking the chains. You're here tonight, oh God. If, Lord, each person here tonight could just set all cares aside, Lord, they have a need in their little heart. They might have an unspoken request. They might have, a Lord, a healing that nobody even knows about that they need. Tonight is their night of healing, oh God, if they could just take that faith. May it strike their soul. Oh, God, an inspiration as your prophet cried out, it's over, it's over, it's over. Oh, God, may, Lord, nobody here tonight leave this building. Lord, with a pondering and a wondering and a hope so, but this is a no-so gospel. Oh, Lord, if they don't know, if they don't know you in the power of your resurrection, may they not leave tonight. May they not leave their pew tonight until, Lord, you resolve, they resolve in their heart. I am persuaded to follow my Jesus. Oh, God, we've not followed cunningly devised fables but we follow the pure word, the unadulterated word of God. Lord, if you could show, Lord, to whoever, whosoever will tonight and reveal yourself to them in a, such a personal way. Lord, and out of the angry waves of this world, you pluck out. And Lord, as you did, Peter, and lift him out of the dark tempest of, of the waves, lift someone out of the dark tempest of sin tonight, Lord. That's what we're here and laboring for. The long-suffering, oh God, your long-suffering, we thank you for it. Lord Jesus, we just linger here tonight, Lord, of those that must go. I realize this. Look, I pray, Lord, forgive me. Lord, those that want to linger in your presence, Lord, may you, Lord, so place, Lord, a love grip on them that won't let them go tonight. Oh, God, they cannot be, they couldn't even get themselves out of their pew if they tried to leave because you took a hold of them and said, Oh, God, I know it sounds reversed, but don't let them go. Lord, don't let them go. May they not pass you by tonight. Lord, I would pray, pass them not by tonight, Lord. Jesus. Jesus, we let you, allow you to move and linger tonight in your service, Lord, do as you desire. Jesus Christ's name. Amen, Lord. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed if you must leave. In the presence of Jehovah, Brother Ben. Troubles vanish. That's where I just want to stay. We sang a song in Dallas called Stay. And maybe we'll learn it here, but it's such a sweet song as the presence of the Lord would linger. It's just a prayer of the heart, Lord. Please stay. I don't want you to leave. Maybe if the Lord's dealing with you and speaking, maybe that just be your cry. Lord, just stay a while. I need you to change. I need, I need that moment. Could you just spark that inspiration that I could grab a hold of? 
Let's just sing that. Now we the